0: If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. This episode is part two of our brand new series focusing on the Eucharistic revival. Now, if you're listening to this wondering, what is a Eucharistic revival? Don't worry you're not alone. The Eucharistic Revival is a nationwide grassroots initiative by the USCCB and Catholics to restore understanding and devotion to the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. If you've seen the news or ventured out into your community, it's easy to see that the world is hurting. We need healing. We need hope. We need strength. And the Eucharist offers all of that. This national response to the Lord's call began on June nineteenth, 2022, the Feast of Corpus Christi, and will continue all the way until Pentecost 2025. There's a ton of great info and resources on eucharisticrevival.org, but today we're going to be talking about how you, right here, right now, can fall deeply in love with the Eucharist. Today, we're chatting with Father Ben Dunkelberger of Our Lady of the Visitation Parish in Shippensburg as he shares how his faith came alive through campus ministry and how he has, in turn, gotten involved in campus ministry on the other side as a priest to help the faith come alive for other young people. If you have any questions about the Eucharist you would like to have answered by one of our priests, be sure to send us a message on social media or our website, and we'll try to get it answered throughout the series. Father Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here as part of our new series and kind of just bounce some of these questions off of you.
1: Definitely. Super excited.
0: Would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah. So thank you, Rachel, so much. Um, Yeah. So I grew up uh, north of Carlisle in this diocese uh, in Perry County and uh, yeah, had a great experience growing up uh, with my family, three siblings. Two brothers, kind of really close in age. So for us, it was a lot of sports all the time growing up and really great. My mom was Catholic. My dad was not initially, but ended up coming into the church when we were in high school about. So that was a cool thing to see that happen. But I would say that we were, you know, we were into our faith. We were trying to be good Catholics, but it maybe wasn't as alive of a faith as it could have been in a certain sense. Right. So the deepest desires were. You know sports and maybe the outdoors as well, and hunting or whatever. So I went to the college. I went to college at the University of Pittsburgh and studied electrical engineering there. And so really had a great experience and kind of accidentally fell into a friend group that was really into their faith, a campus ministry there, and got really into my faith. Long story, but uh, through that experience, ended up asking kind of deeper questions and saying, okay, do I really believe all of this and having, you know, trying to pray for the first time in silence, for you know, in a long time and going back to confession and all of those different things. And so getting into my faith in college and really uh, through that, starting to then lead a Bible study. And uh, I think I got to my junior year and I said, okay, I need to ask God what he wants me to do. I always thought, you know, I'd be married and be an engineer and all of that. And so had that really deep discernment for about six to eight months between my junior and senior year of college as engineering was going very well and enjoying that. Uh, So God, what do you want me to do? Be an engineer or, you know, uh, uh, get married or be a missionary somewhere or whatever. So very long story again, but I ended up uh, eventually through a lot of prayer and I had adoration before the Eucharist. I know this is about the Eucharist a little bit. So adoration before the Eucharist was a big part of that too in prayer. But I eventually really felt called to at least... I thought maybe God was calling me to be a priest. And so I made that decision halfway through my senior year of, I really think I should at least enter the seminary and see. So I finished my degree in electrical engineering uh, at the University of Pittsburgh and then went to seminary at Mount St. Mary's down in Maryland, just south of Gettysburg, and really had a great six years there. I'd say about two years in, I said, yeah, I really think God's calling me to be a priest. And so uh, I was ordained in 2018 And sent as the assistant down at St. John the Baptist in New Freedom, south of York. Uh, And then and I was the chaplain at York College. And then I went a year and a half ago or so, almost two years now, to Shippensburg. So the pastor at Shippensburg uh, in Pennsylvania, that parish, Our Lady of the Visitation, and the campus minister of Shippensburg University. So it's been a great four years of priesthood. Um, Yeah, really cool.
0: That's really awesome. I love that you were able to discover it while you were on your path to something else and then yeah. you use that and you kind of went back and you got involved in campus ministry as a priest like i think that's right. coming full circle that's really awesome
1: yeah yeah it's really it's really been cool to, to to experience campus ministry um as a college student not too too long ago but then to be able to immediately as a young priest uh be doing that for for kids and there's such a deep desire at that age to discover yourself and to like you know, what is the world all about as you're getting out of the high school bubble of like, you know, all this stuff. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's really, really beautiful and meaningful to be able to help the college students to uh, ask those deep questions and to try to live their faith in college, which is a really unique time in life. So absolutely. all cool. well,
0: Definitely about finding yourself yeah. in college. Yeah. Figuring out what it is you want out of life. Mm hmm. So I've heard a lot of people talk about having a truly transformative experience when they receive the Eucharist at some point in their lives. You mentioned that you had an experience during adoration. Mm -hmm. Could you expand on that experience a little bit and about how the Eucharist changed you?
1: Definitely. Yeah, it's a really good question. I would say that I've had a ton of, you know, good and kind of powerful experiences, but a lot of them are not. Necessarily miraculous, I guess, in a certain way, but they're, you know, when you when you see the change over time, that's kind of the goal, I think, in a sense of the Eucharist is it's it's changing you internally over time, right? But I've certainly had a, a couple, at least, of just very powerful experiences um, that might be more of what people think in a certain sense of miraculous, I guess. But um, but yeah, one of the one of the ones. Uh, that I would say I was at a a big conference and there was adoration going on, but it was also uh, uh, Lexio Divina going on, which is really just uh, the words Lexio Divina are just divine reading in Latin. So they were reading from the Bible. It was actually Jesus being baptized. And uh, and so we're just praying, you know, before Christ in the Eucharist and just in silence as they're reflecting on this and leading us in that meditation, um, imagining being put in the scene of, he is going to John the Baptist being baptized the holy spirit down, coming down upon him. So very normal in that sense of just kind of the bible and you're praying with it you're before Jesus but as i was praying there and i think this is something with adoration with the eucharist in general not just in adoration but when we're receiving it too is that there was this recognition of okay there's this presence before me and it is Jesus and so you're just praying and staying open to that presence is kind of directing the prayer towards the presence, right? In a sense, which is what we desire and how we encounter friends and and family and spouses or whatever in our lives. So that was something that really, so in that moment, the actual experience was I was putting myself in the scene and for whatever reason, I ended up next to Jesus in the water, kneeling down and he turned towards me, which wasn't something they were saying, right? Uh, And, you know, just kind of, said a few words in that moment, which is something I really needed to hear at that time in my life. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so it was really, really profound encounter with Christ of he's, he's right there in the Eucharist and actually in this prayer right now, he's speaking to me about something very specific in my life. And so, um, yeah, very, very, uh, profound, uh, um, <laughs> uh, deep encounter where it's this personal, you know, couple words, but something that um, has been on your heart and then just like speaks to you very powerfully. So that would be one example of, okay, before the Eucharist and adoration and experiencing that type of, of personal word or love of Christ there, uh, where you're directing him, you're directing your heart and your attention, your mind to the Eucharist in silent prayer, basically. Right. So. Does that kind of make sense? Then? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's wild. I love I love that style of prayer. I personally haven't tried it, but several of the other priests that I've talked to mm-hmm. have mentioned that that is a such a powerful way to just like put yourself in the scene. And I'm like that just blows my mind. Like I think that that's yeah. incredible. Um I think it was Father Bateman and I were talking about it and he was doing a prayer around the nativity for Christmas time. They were talking about being at the birth of Christ and he asked Mary to hold the baby. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like to actually be able to do that in prayer is just wild. And I can't believe I haven't tried it yet. So Mm -hmm. that's on my list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's I, I actually just gave a homily on it. Not this last weekend, but the weekend before of just, yeah, what is what is prayer supposed to be? It's all these different things, but one of them is silent, meditative prayer. So just to be able to to be in silence and to believe that when we're we're meditating, really we're just reflecting or imagining or all those different things, that God can use that and speak through that very powerfully. So it's it's really beautiful and I think important to encourage people because again I I'd never really done that until college and someone's teaching me and like you know doing that. So unless you're kind of taught into that or, or, you know, showed how to do it, uh, yeah, it makes sense. And not a lot of people have heard of it before, but, but it's good to be able to talk about that and say, yeah, just, just put yourself in the scene or just imagine, or just, you know, go over the words a couple of times slowly. And then it really can be very powerful of, you know, an encounter with Christ because he wants to use that and he wants to speak to us. So
0: right. anyway. absolutely. Yeah. Throughout history, there have been hundreds, if not thousands of reported miracles with the Eucharist. hmm in our last episode, Father Bender mentioned one where he had gone on a pilgrimage to see a host that had bled or was congealed with blood. Have you ever seen or experienced a Eucharistic miracle?
1: Yeah, that's a wow, That's a great question. The, the, I would say kind of similar and a little bit to the last answer, but I haven't experienced that type of miracle when people, I guess, usually say Eucharistic miracle, they're usually thinking of that type of thing that Father Bender had mentioned of, okay, the the Eucharist is actually like bleeding or actually, you know, something is happening to a physical change to the Eucharist there. And there are an incredible amount of testimonies of those things happening. Um, yeah. A lot of sites you can go to in, in, especially in Europe, but around the world where it's like, here's, you know, this miracle that's still kind of happening. Like it's still here. You can test, the Eucharist and, and, and there's this incredible tests that have been done of like, it's heart tissue and it's, you know, the same blood type of particular, thing. like, it's crazy. That's wild. I, yeah, I, I should have maybe pulled it up, but I, anyway, <laughs> but it's, it's really beautiful. Um So two, maybe quick things on that. So I haven't experienced anything like that necessarily. I would say that there's way, way more miracles that are happening on a regular basis not just miracles of like faith, but also miracles of healing that we don't necessarily hear about. So one quick thing that I will, there's so many, one quick thing that I will say is very recently, one of my parishioners, uh, a woman in my parish was sick with COVID. She, you know, she was doing okay, but definitely very sick and, uh, you know, has this deep devotion to the Eucharist and just desire to receive it. And eventually was brought the Eucharist by one of our other extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. And she received the Eucharist and she was telling me this later that it, she was like, I probably going to have long COVID, you know, I'm going to have this thing forever just feels like it might be that. And, uh, she just had this almost immediate kind of physical healing that she experienced. And it, and she was telling me this very emotionally, uh, maybe only a month ago. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's no. I can't necessarily like bring that before scientists and say like here's this exact, you know, miracle um but so that's one little example of like a physical miracle that just kind of happened but um but there's I think and this is Christ's primary desire too, right, is the physical miracles are all meant to lead to the spiritual, you know, growth closer to him in our lives. And so those are the miracles he cares about most. And those are the miracles I think that happen the most often are miracles of like of faith, of spiritual healing, of, of um, yeah, all of those different aspects of our life. And so that's what I would say is kind of this, what I've experienced personally more often is these powerful encounters with Christ of, of, you know, not just maybe his mercy and consolation and love powerfully, but also what we don't usually desire which is like a word of exhortation or challenge or whatever right which can lead to this this greater conversion and um, and closeness to God and so that can also be uh, a miracle of the Eucharist of hearing his words speak into our lives powerfully and maybe one little quick analogy you can also cut me off anytime I'm speaking too long by the way but the analogy of like we often don't the, like the Eucharist can change us is one of the things that you said. We often don't necessarily in our spiritual lives see the change as this big, I mean, we desire these big like retreat moments and and top of the mountain, right? Transfiguration moments. But often God is doing it little by little in our hearts, the transformation. And so you think of having a garden or, or you have a, a, a plant or flower back here. And, and when you look at it and you're, you're watering or feeding it and you, and you see the tree or the thing, Grow little by little, but you don't actually, when you're watching, you don't actually see it grow, right? And so to realize that that can be what's happening to us in our life of faith, of supernatural hope, of supernatural love, of virtue as well, that the Eucharist is, is doing that, changing us, right? As we're trying to grow in those ways in our life, uh, that Christ is, is doing that through the Eucharist in our heart. So, anyway, that's a long answer to I haven't experienced the miracle in that sense of the physical miracle. Um, But, uh, and I haven't been able to go to a pilgrimage site other than seeing videos and and different things online. But, um, but yeah, I've certainly uh, had many powerful, powerful encounters um, myself and then hearing stories of other people and all of these different things. Uh, Yeah. Does that make sense? No,
0: it absolutely does. And I love that you phrased it that way. It's like, it's not, we, we expect something grandiose, but it doesn't have to be, grandiose to be a miracle. Like one of my favorite things is coincidences are when God performs a miracle and decides to remain anonymous. Right. Right. And when you say it like that, I had told father Bender, I'm like, I've, I've never had an experience like that with the Eucharist. And then when you say Mm -hmm. it that way, I'm like, well, there was this one time I was like in the, I struggle with anxiety and I was in the middle of a panic attack Mm -hmm. and I was like, felt called. I was like, I need to go to church. So Mm -hmm. I packed up my three kids who are all like six and under We drove Mm -hmm. to church. I'm still having a panic attack like during mass because Mm -hmm. there's three little kids and I'm already in the middle of it. And I remember getting communion and like feeling better. Like I wasn't completely out of the panic attack, but it ended a lot faster than it normally would have. And when you put it like that, I'm like – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. oh that was an experience right, so right. oh i love that you they it doesn't have to be what we traditionally think exactly like, you can exactly. have these little moments and yeah. god just decided to remain anonymous right
1: right that's I yeah love that's that. beautifully said in that sense of god deciding to yeah remain anonymous i love yeah. that as well a way of connecting that but yeah it's uh that's yeah thanks for sharing that that's also that's really beautiful
0: <laughs> at the end of the liturgy of the eucharist the priest puts the hosts back in the tabernacle Mm -hmm. and I used to be an altar server. So I like remember the whole spiel, Gotcha. but why does he actually put them back in the tabernacle? Like, does Mm -hmm. it stop being the body and blood of Christ once the mass is over and it's just hanging out in the tabernacle?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We certainly believe that it continues to be the body and blood of Christ uh, in the tabernacle. And, um, you know, you think about, um, the words of Jesus and it's, it's not, there are certainly some Christian churches who not only, okay, this is kind of a symbol and they might even believe that, you know, we're growing closer to God in that moment. So you're, you're receiving Christ even more in that symbolic Eucharist or communion that they're doing. Right. But we to take it very seriously. And, and it's, it's this, this substantial change. So it's not just a, a, you know, Christ coming down, And kind of like being like around the bread in order to, you know, come into us. It's no, he's, he's substantially the bread itself. You still can look at the atoms and it's still the same substance that makes up bread and wine when you do a microscope. But in general, the substance, what immaterially holds all of that together is, is Christ fully, truly. And so it's this promise he's made to us of I will be present um when you you know follow this kind of thing I've given you at the last supper of you know uh take this eat of it this is my body and so much more in the gospels of that teaching of you know John chapter 6 is kind of this incredible right teaching of that but okay but then if Jesus is really present then he wants to not just be present to us in the mass but then to be, give us that opportunity to be physically present as we were kind of mentioning with adoration before and also anytime you go into a catholic church it's this powerful moment of okay i not only see the usually the beautiful tabernacle but then the candle usually the red candle but that's always lit of it's not just a beautiful church hopefully but a a presence that is there and it's a real presence of okay i'm going and I'm, I I know that Jesus is there one of my favorite kind of lines and and uh things to think about when you go into a catholic church is god's desire for us to in, to encounter his love right so one of the things with the eucharist is it's such a mystery because it's it's okay it's jesus but it's you know god become man jesus is is just a human being which is what we would desire to encounter But it's God become man. So in his soul, he has a human soul, but also the infinite God is present, fully present there. So the infinite God who created every ounce of atom and energy in the universe, right? It's just, it's impossible for us to imagine. You have to start with God being this. And so how small he makes himself in communion that we're able to even encounter, like even like be able to handle that right it's this infinite power that we're taking in so when you think about the tabernacle then and and jesus just waiting being silent waiting there in the tabernacle it's this incredible thing of when you go into the church some people will think okay now i have to you know make myself attentive i'm tired and i have to make myself attentive or whatever in the church but in reality it's the where you start is there is Jesus, the infinite God waiting there for me to come into the church to pour his love out into my heart. Like he's his deepest desire is to like wait for us to do that, right? If, if we had a friend who, who we hadn't seen in a long time and they invited us over and over again to come and hang out just to catch up and just to, right? It'd be like, sorry, I can't come. Sorry, I can't come. Sorry, I can't come or something. And then if you went to that friend finally and they're just sitting there. And they're super compassionate and they're just like, you know, I know you blew me off 50 times, but I'm like, I just want to get to know you. And just to have that deep friendship again, we would be like, that love is so awesome. And then you think about Jesus in the tabernacle, just sitting there waiting to pour out his love in silent prayer. When we go into the church uh, building, yeah, it's, I think that's to think about why, right? Um, uh, why, Why does he desire to stay present in the Eucharist? That's what we, that's what we want, right? That's what we desire is again, this not just kind of in silence and praying for Jesus to be all around us. That's important and beautiful too, but we want to direct we're physical beings as well as spiritual. So we want to direct ourselves to the presence, to another. And that is where Jesus is in the tabernacle. Um, And certainly as a priest, as one last little thing is, is being able to take the Eucharist, you know, to the sick and to the. To the homebound, right? That's a huge part of of why we believe that too. Is anytime, time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I have a, a call with a person who's very sick t- this afternoon, this evening, and so and they specifically called to say, "Can you bring me the Eucharist?" Right? So I'm, I'm going to bring them Jesus at their home. They can't leave, right? And so it's this incredibly powerful um, encounter with with God's love, not just at Mass, but then continuing uh, on. So
0: that's awesome. I love yeah. that beautiful analogy of like the friend you keep blowing off and then you yeah. finally go over there and you're like, why did I keep blowing this off? Right, because this right. feels so good to just hang out with you. I right. love that. So should we be preparing ourselves for the Eucharist before we receive it? And if so, what are some ways we can actually do that?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, oh, man, there there's so many. Things we can do to prepare ourselves in general, I think, just as you're walking up, or as you know, right after the priest receives, and you're you know, communion is about to start. Just to you know, even if you've been distracted the whole mass, or your kids are running all over the place, or whatever, right? Um, just to make a little act of faith is so beautiful. Of just, okay, Lord, I know that you know, I'm about to receive you. Just help me to open my heart and and you know, receive you fully, so that your love comes into my soul and transforms me. That little act of faith is so powerful. Um, whether it's at the last moment right before we receive, or whether we have maybe a little more time to prepare leading up to that. There are specific prayers that you can look up, certainly that actually are for preparing to receive that saints or different people have written. And I would say one of my favorite moments in the mass uh Okay. There's two things. One of my favorite moments is the offertory. So when the gifts, people are bringing the gifts up and you're like, Oh, that's cool. You know, I know that family or something. No, but it's, it's, this. it is supposed to be the symbol of, okay, yes, we don't make bread and wine. Our neighbors don't make that anymore. And we bring it up in the same way as they used to, but it's this, not just we're bringing up the work of our hands, but we're supposed to think of our entire last week and everything we went through the last week. And we're like bringing all of ourselves in our last week to Christ and saying, I'm giving this to you and I want to offer it to you as a prayer. It's a little sacrifice and I want to be united to you fully um, in the Eucharist. And so to, uh, there's so much more than that, but just to think of, okay, Lord, what is this communion with you, this union with you going to do? It's going to be this prayer of this offering that I'm giving and it's going to be this this union that we talked about earlier can change us. And so you're, you're trying to kind of lead, lead all of that to that moment. There's yeah. So there's so many ways that we can prepare ourselves to receive. Again, the first thing I think is the most important, just it's okay if you're not perfect or whatever. And it's just a little act of faith of my heart's not perfect, but I'm just trying to like prepare and receive you and be an to you perfectly. So I said a lot there.
0: We've unfortunately run out of time, but if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey, so if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org DAC and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.